What's up, everybody? Welcome to Ask for Candy, where we talk about healing, self-care, love, sex, relationships, and what it takes to be amazing on the daily. Who I am is CandiceHopperLoveCoach.com, and y'all know my purpose with this podcast is to create healthy romantic relationships all around the world through self-love, soul connections, and sweetness. But before we get to that, don't forget to subscribe to our audio broadcast, Ask for Candy on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you normally like to download your podcast. Also, I want you to email me at askforcandypodcast at gmail.com to leave me comments, ask questions. You know that I make those questions into topics for a later show. Those of you who've been listening, you know that for almost nine years, I've been a relationship coach, a group workshop facilitator. I'm also a hypnotherapist who specializes in RTT and an executive luxury matchmaker with Select Date Society. And you can check us out if you want to get in the database, if you want to get your own matchmaker and you're looking for some high value folks, come on over and sign on up. So all of these things are how I live into my purpose, the purpose of healing the past, loving myself unconditionally, and inspiring others to do the same, using our romantic lives as a field of creativity, an inspiration, a catalyst to our highest possible selves, because that is what love is there for. Love is meant to grow us. The partners that we meet are meant to mirror us and show us what needs to be healed and show us where we can use some growth and help us to evolve in our high highest, highest possible, most amazing self so that we can really make the most out of this, this life, this, this little drop in the space time continuum, this little, little bitty, I don't know, increment of time that we get to just be, be exactly whoever it is that we were meant to be, that we want to be, that we choose to be. This world is our playground, honey, and love is a way to express ourselves and make the most of it. So y'all know that relationship work is my zone of genius. And the best part about it is that week to week, I get to grow and learn as I interact with hundreds of people around the most intimate parts of their lives. I get to take people on their journey from caterpillar to butterfly, from unhappy with their love lives to ecstatic. I get to teach people how to get out of their own way and tap into love as a limitless resource. And most importantly of all I get to do is I get to be part of what supports healthy beginnings and sustainably healthy relationships. Specifically, I get to teach perfectionistic people like myself, I'm a transformed perfectionistic person, how to heal the past, love ourselves unconditionally, and start our love lives over from a clean slate every damn day. Because whether you are in a relationship or not, to start over every damn day is the way to be sustainably happy and experiencing love every single moment of your life. Just start fresh, start fresh, start fresh over and over and over again. So today, today's topic, swiping left over 35. So if you are over the age of 35 and you are on the dating apps, or if you are working with a matchmaker, last week I, I had my friend Jada, my co, co-matchmaker, Jada, and we were talking about you know our middle-aged female clients and you know how they're navigating this swipe left sort of time we live in, this swipe left mentality. But for all of us, because I think both men and women have this um, experience of dating, this experience of the apps, that there is an endless amount of people, there are an endless amount of people that you could possibly match with. And so in this swipe left day and age, I do it myself. It's very easy to get on an app, 
and just keep swiping and swiping and swiping and swiping and swiping until there's nobody left. And when there's nobody left, just putting it down until the next day and keep on swiping in the same way. Now, you know, I'm talking about for those of us who are over 35, not to say that you, we are limited in, uh, you know, what we can have as far as other people are concerned, but we are limited in the amount of time that we have left on this earth to really fulfill ourselves and experience love, right? So if I say that I want to have a love life, that I really want to experience being in love with someone, I got to be aware of how I'm showing up in this swipe left culture. And it was interesting what inspired this topic was I was TikToking, because you know how we do. Sometimes you TikTok and just before you know it, the hours have just wasted away. And I ran across this woman who was about the same age as me. And she was um, beautiful woman, Asian woman, actually looked a lot younger than our age. And it almost broke my heart. I mean, she's very, she's actually very interesting. She has a great, um, a great TikTok account, which I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but she was talking about her romantic life and how she has given up on dating, that there's no one out there to date. And she has completely shut that part of herself off for good, that that part of her is dead She has no interest in being in a relationship. She feels like our culture has set it up that you're not worthy unless you are in a relationship. And so she made a point to make a TikTok saying that that part of her life is over and she's just not interested. And I'll tell you why I was so inspired by her post because not that I think that everyone needs to want to have a relationship, I do think there is a level of validity to being out there and that part of you actually being dead. And I do think that there are people out there who really are past the point of any desire. You know, I I believe that that can exist. However, I think if you're in a conversation about it, you know, it's almost like when you protest too much, when you're in a conversation about it, you're making a proclamation about it. For me, the way that I sort of interpreted her, her TikTok was that somewhere deep down inside, the desire is still there. And the, and the need to make a proclamation about it was not, and I, you know, I don't want to accuse her of any dishonesty. I don't think it's a dishonesty. I think that what happens is we get to a point where we want something so badly. And then we also get to a point where we so don't believe in ever having it. And then the world or our culture or our society or our family applies pressure. And so it, it becomes a source of pain, this desire that we have for something. And because the pain is not being alleviated by actually having the desire fulfilled, we decide to take control and numb the desire. Right. So if I numb the desire, then it doesn't have to feel so painful. If I pretend like I just don't want it, I don't have to sit in loneliness. If I pretend like, uh, you know, it's something that I just don't need in my life anymore. It's a nuisance. Then I don't have to feel the raw emotion of not having the deepest level of desire fulfilled without with not having it met. Right. 
And the reason I interpreted her TikTok that way, I mean, not just because of the energy that she was giving off and what she was saying, and not because I can't possibly believe that someone wouldn't want to be in a relationship, which it is hard for me to believe that because I'm such a romantic, but I just heard in her voice that it that she has killed the desire or she was she was perfect pur- purposely um uh muffling the desire because it sounded as though it was just too painful to have it unfulfilled and so i want to address that i want to address that that feeling of unfulfilled desire in a swipe left culture in a culture where we feel like not only should our, our soulmate or the person we want show up and be perfectly what we want them to be, and for us to have the kind of chemical instant attraction that we would like to have for them, not only do we, do we behave in alignment with be- believing that, but that there is just an endless resource of people because the internet fools us into thinking that there is, or you know, the, the apps fool us into thinking that there's this endless resource of people. So we keep swiping left, swiping left, swiping left, not being able to actually stop and make a choice, or when we do stop and make a choice, looking to see what's wrong with that person, you know, so that then people are, it's almost like without knowing it, people have to sort of jump through hoops in order to be considered valuable enough to know. Now, don't get me wrong. I've, I've been on the apps. I'm on an app now. I'm not saying that, of course, there are people that you're just not attracted to. So of course you're going to swipe left on them. But I think we have to be really aware of that sense that, um, you know, that, that the endless shopping is in any way supporting us in being able to fulfill the desire for being truly loved and connected. Because let's think about it. I mean, you know, as a person of a certain age, and I'm talking to any of us over out there over 35, most of us over 35 have had at least one relationship. And whether you got married or not, one solid long-term relationship or one, uh, you know, encounter or connection with a person where you felt like you were really in love. By the time you get to 35, most of us have at least had that. So when you think about those first relationships. Like I think about not my very first, my very first boyfriend, you know, we were together for about a year and it was very, um, I mean, I'm saying he's my first, there were guys that I dated before him, but if I, you know, if I'm going to say something is in any, in any way, officially a relationship, he was the closest, you know, in the early days, right? We were together for about a year, and I think uh, we started, I must have been around 18, from like age 18 to 19, and there was no, I mean, we were young, so you just, you're attracted to each other physically, you get into something, and then it just plays out how it plays out, right? So when you're that young, you haven't experienced uh, divorce, and the processes of divorce. You haven't experienced, you know, having children and assets with someone that have to be divided or figured out when the relationship is breaking down. You haven't experienced having to really, truly adult with someone, live day to day and make, you know, adult decisions, paying bills, making sure that, you know, life goes smoothly with someone. You know, so it's so easy. It's just like when little kids get on a bike they're not afraid until they really fall and get hurt, right? So it's, it's the same kind of principle. We get into these early relationships without fear. 
We might have some nervousness, butterflies, excitement, anxiety, because it's the unknown, but there's just not all this extra, what we call emotional baggage. There's not all this extra past that's informing everything. And so that initial falling in love, if you allow yourself to get into your body and just go back to that initial experience of being madly in love, where just everything about that person was wonderful. And even the parts that weren't so wonderful, you didn't mind. And you loved the way they smelled and you spent time together. I know I had a 13 year relationship where, um, you know, and that was like a year or so after that first one ended where I, you know, it just was so comfortable. I could be a hundred percent myself in that relationship. I loved that person to the moon and back. I expressed it every day. Because they were just, I mean, you know, yeah, we got into fights and had conflicts and things like that. But, you know, for the most part, there was a deep level love. And everyone who knew us knew, knew us as a, as a couple. So if they saw one of us, they expected to see the other one, would ask about the other one. That's the kind of couple that we were for, you know, at least a slot. We were together the last couple of years were kind of like on the fence off and on, but we were solidly together at least a good 10 years where people associated us with each other. And so those beginning years of falling in love with each other, you know, just the first sexual encounters, the first trips that we took together, um, you know, all those times of just being completely comfortable and laughing and joking and just being in it, just being fully immersed, immersed in a relationship with someone. So, you know, we had all that beautiful time together of full love immersion is what I like to call it. And then that relationship broke down. And for me, there was a lot of pain around the breakdown of that relationship. And I feel like that's true for him as well. We ended up amicable. You know, there's no hard feelings. Obviously, we're years later now, so there's definitely no hard feelings. But even in the beginnings of the end, even though it was hard, you know, there was time apart that I think was just time meant to like get used to being apart, what that even felt like. And that was a very painful time, but we never developed uh, resentment or animosity towards each other. Like that never entered into the picture. It's just that our relationship didn't work out, but it was painful as hell. And so I say all of that to say, even when it's amicable, there's just a lot of pain involved. And what I learned from that relationship and the pain of, of, um, you know, trying to get over the end of that relationship was to be cautious and to be careful and to not give my heart too freely and to start building up protective measures and to start guarding my heart and to start second guessing whether I was picking the right people and you know to just tread more carefully because I didn't want to have to go through another breakup again if it didn't work out. And the reason that I started to do that is because I blamed the breaking up on having made a choice of someone who I would eventually break up with, of course, unconsciously. But in hindsight, that's what I blamed. And that's what we often do. So we go through these relationships. Sometimes they turn out horribly. 
because I did that years later, I did have an abusive relationship that turned out horribly. And we blame ourselves for picking that person, for not knowing that that person was going to be who they were, or not being diligent enough, not being vigilant enough in the beginning, not you know finding the red flags, not whatever it was we were supposed to do to prevent ourselves from having heartbreak. And that's where we end up getting stuck. And that is why everyone becomes so fearful of falling madly in love. And that is why this swipe left culture supports exactly that. Because here so many of us are out here, and I include myself in this, afraid to be fully immersed with someone else. Afraid to be fully immersed because of what we've experienced in the past. And so we swipe left, swipe left, swipe swipe left every time we see something that indicates that it has any similarities to what we've experienced in the past. I have a client, a matchmaking client right now, who I introduced to a really great guy and they really hit it off. And she's hung up on that he looks like a coworker who she had a romantic thing with that broke down and didn't work out, but they look similar to each other. So she's trepidatious about the relationship because he looks kind of like that guy. And so what's gonna trickle down from that? If I'm afraid and I'm concerned that you look like that guy, I don't want to have to deal with what I dealt with with that guy. I'm going to start putting my guard up. I'm going to start treating you like you're potentially that guy. I'm going to, you know, start doing things that that foster mistrust. I'm going to start treating you in a way that's going to be unworkable for you because you're not that guy. <laughs> And you don't understand why I feel the way I feel. And even if I explain to you why I feel what I feel, it's going to be hard. It'd be hard for him to wrap his mind around that you're treating me like someone that you've known before who hurt you because I look like that person. But we do that every day. And we're so afraid of full immersion that we allow the past and the things that we've experienced in the past to dictate all the decisions that we make about the future, all the choices that we make about people that we're going to go out with. And we talked about this a lot last week, you know, like all the different ways that that we can set it up like stipulations, like they need to make a certain amount of money, you know, they need to um, be a certain height or look a certain way, all of that stuff. We talk about it all the time. But all of that is the mask for, I am afraid to be fully immersed. I'm afraid to give my heart over. I am afraid to go ahead and let myself fall in love. So I think that if I can make sure that all these things are in place and that this person is all of these external things, that somehow I can mitigate heartbreak. We fool ourselves into thinking that. And so why are we so afraid of falling madly in love? Why are we so afraid of full immersion? And how do we turn that around? Because we don't have to be afraid of falling madly in love. We don't have to be afraid of full immersion. And the way that I experienced this, I probably would have told you this same thing months ago, but the way that I experienced it to be the truth is that I recently had a, a, a casual fling with someone a lot younger than me. And just decided to just enjoy it. Just decided to go ahead and let myself have it. 
And I realized that it didn't kill me for it to not continue on and become a relationship. And the reason it didn't kill me because I decided to take it moment by moment and just allow myself to enjoy each part of it. Now, sure, there was a part of me that was like, you know, because of the age difference, I don't necessarily see it being long term. And that helped me to let go of any sort of attachments I would have formed otherwise. So that helped support me with that. But also I was able to just enjoy what we had together, the meals that we ate together, the um, you know physical closeness that we had. I was able to let myself enjoy that. The reason I was able to let myself enjoy it is because I you know took some time off from that last relationship to heal, right? And I say all of this to say, a lot of the times that we're afraid of full immersion with someone is because we're still nursing the wounds of the broken relationships. We're nursing those wounds. We're, you know, touting our story about what we've been through. We've decided that what we experienced is what our love life experience is in general, that that's what love is like. We generalize all men, all women, all whoever we date based on what we experienced. We walk around wounded, feeling as though, you know, this, this is, you know, and I've talked about before a coaching client that I had who was like the bad luck girl. Every relationship, either he was a drug addict or he left me and then got married a month later or, you know, every relationship was, was a crash and burn. You know, she had one that was a long-term relationship and he broke her heart. And so you think, oh, well, you know, that's not her fault. Of course it's not her fault, but we experience what we believe, right? We experience what we believe in. And if I'm not healing, healing these wounds and healing my thought processes and not healing my subconscious beliefs and my thoughts, I'm going to keep repeating the same thing over and over again because I'm bringing those old wounds into every new possibility, every new chance. I'm not allowing myself to just be in it, enjoy it, and just see where it goes to explore it, right? So we're not allowing ourselves to heal, heal the broken wounds. And a lot of times because those broken wounds of past relationships are also indicators of ancient trauma. And by ancient, I just mean childhood. So once you get past 35, you're past a certain age. Yeah, it seems like your childhood is so far behind you. However, a lot of us are still walking around with those early traumas, those early wounds, that emotional neglect. And it doesn't always have to be some crazy, you know, a story of abuse. Although, you know, things like sexual abuse, physical abuse, you can carry those with you. Most definitely they affect your adult romantic relationships. But it could be something as simple as emotional neglect. A parent that didn't know how to relate with you. A parent that was overly criticizing. A parent, you know, that was uh, modeled bad relationships. You know, if your parents stayed together and modeled a, a not loving relationship. Those are the kinds of things that dictate who you're going to be in your adult relationships. Those are the kinds of hurts and pains that we learn how to deal with as a child, that we learn how to navigate as a child, and the things that we do to navigate and deal with those things when we take them into our adult relationships, they don't work. Right? So if we don't know to heal that stuff, 
not to manage it, not to develop coping mechanisms around it, but to heal all that old stuff. And to heal all that old old stuff takes a whole process for a lot of us, especially if it's deep-seated pain. Because you got to start out with acknowledging it, and then you got to get to a point where you express your feelings about it, you validate how you feel about it, you process your feelings about it, you let your feelings um, be expressed in a safe and healthy way. You grieve whatever losses you felt there were around it, what you felt you lost, what you felt you lost out on. You get an understanding for what you decided as a child, what you chose, how you chose to behave, and how you continued that into your adulthood. Then there's the forgiveness piece, forgiving those who who hurt us, forgiving those who didn't know any better or were sick or had their own dysfunction, brought their own stuff to the table that messed us up when we were kids. And then being able to say, even though I've been through what I've been through, I can start all over again from a clean slate and have a different experience. I can change my thoughts and beliefs. I can work on changing my thoughts and beliefs. I can um, do different things to change my thoughts and beliefs and come from a clean slate so that I can actually have the love that I want and experience the love that I want. So most of us don't know to do that, to heal all that old trauma. And so when it goes unhealed, then we end up with the relationships that are broken. And those broken relationships just reinforce those subconscious thoughts and beliefs that have us going forward afraid to fall madly in love, afraid to be fully immersed, afraid to care about somebody deeply without worrying about the external stuff, afraid to swipe right and follow through. I hope you're picking up what I'm putting down, honey. And, you know, sometimes they say, I don't know who needs to hear this. I know exactly who needs to hear this. All of us who are over 35 and keep swiping left. It's time to stop. Slow down. Take a breath. And don't do another swipe left until you you allow yourself to be in a full healing space. until you allow yourself to know that you are ready to be fully immersed and madly in love, that you are vibrating on the level of somebody who can love unconditionally and fully. And we're going to do another whole show about unconditional love because I saw another lady who said something about that unconditional love is a myth. And I do want to talk about that if you believe unconditional love is a myth, first of all, you don't know the definition of love because love by definition is unconditional. It's like saying wet water, right? Also, you know, if you're collapsing love with admiration, attachment, lust, things like that, then, you know, that's why you don't believe in unconditional love. But we're going to do a whole other show about that. But if you want to experience that, you want to be able to fully immerse yourself, fall madly in love, feel that way that you felt when you were young, where it was just automatic, that you're vibrating on a level of just having automatic love and affinity, that you can enjoy yourself, be present, and in the moment. You got to be willing to heal that trauma, to go through that, that process of healing that trauma. Guarding our hearts. So we're out there swiping left, swiping left, swiping left, and guarding our hearts. Guarding our hearts because the trauma hasn't been healed. Guarding our hearts because we're informing 
what's possible for us today as far as relationships are concerned by what happened to us yesterday. And like I was saying before, if what happened to us yesterday was the product of the pain that we were already experiencing from our trauma, we have a strong belief that that's just what happens. So when I go into tomorrow, or I go into today, I'm dating people today and tomorrow, what am I bringing? My strong belief that pain is inevitable, that people don't know how to love, that people are going to do me dirty, the relationships don't work out. If you have any of these strong beliefs, it's, willing, it's, it's, it's in your best interest to be willing to look at what do I need to heal that this is my belief? What informed that? What told me that? And why did I take it on? Why did I start to espouse to this belief and bring it into my life? We want to be willing to ask ourselves these questions. Because a guarded heart is a heart that experiences no love. You can't protect yourself from pain and experience love. For protecting your heart, you're keeping your heart closed down, you, you, don't, you may not experience the pain, but you won't be able to experience the love as well. It's like if you're trying to always, always prevent grief or sadness, you also don't allow yourself to feel joy. Because in the work that it takes to prevent the grief or the sadness, joy can't be found. It's a paradox wrapped in an enigma. We want to be able to experience the full gamut of experiences and emotions on this, on this earth, in this earthly plane, while we're playing here on this earthly playground. And while we're numbing ourselves so that we don't have to hurt, we're not letting ourselves really have, have the, the full experience of love and happiness and joy and peace. So it's our guarding of our heart, our self-sabotaging beliefs, the looking for a unicorn, all of those signs that are all of those are signs that we are afraid to fully immerse and fall madly in love. We are not vibrating on the level that we would we would attract that full immersion of love. And like I said, I know who needs to hear this cuz it's me. I know I need to hear it. I know I need to hear it. And you know, having that little fling with that young guy, it it broke me out of something which was I spent a few years healing from that abusive relationship, taking care of myself and, you know, babying myself and giving myself a chance to get into a good relationship with myself, doing my healing work, loving on myself and getting to a true understanding of what would be good for me. I spent those years purposeful around that. And so now it's time to move into that next level of being able to actually open my heart up because in those years I had to have it closed off so that I could go inward, right? And so having that fling has me understanding that that opening up of my heart is safe. And by safe, I mean, yeah, I could get hurt. I could definitely get hurt because I'm somebody who loves and loves hard, right? Getting hurt is a possibility. But without risking the possibility of getting hurt, I'm not going to feel the depth of love and full immersion that I have felt 
before and definitely not a deeper level of love and full immersion, which I truly believe exists. But if I really want to be able to feel that, I got to be willing to take some major risks in a scary, scary world. I got to be willing to stop my automatic rejection machine and get really, really aware and conscious of how I'm moving about in my romantic life and how open I'm being and how vulnerable I'm being and how much I'm actually letting myself tell the truth about how I feel, how much I'm actually letting myself be vulnerable with people that I meet and connect with and letting myself actually connect with people rather than being quick to judge and reject them. I have a client that told me the other day she absolutely will not date a bald man. That's just her guarding her heart, trying to protect herself because her ex-husband was bald. Makes no sense. (laughs) I mean, it makes sense in that, you know, you can understand as human beings, that's what we do. But the moment we get conscious and aware, self-aware, paying attention to what we're doing, really think about things critically, Because one bald man hurt me, it does not mean that the next bald man isn't going to be the absolute love of my life, unless I make it so. But I could miss out on that loving, sublime feeling of being with the absolute love of my life because I'm using the amount of hair that he has on his head as my litmus for whether he can provide the emotional value that my life needs. And that's what we do as human beings, right? That's how we sabotage ourselves. And so, yeah, I was really inspired by this lady cutting herself off and wanting to figure out what are the words to say? Because I know that that some of my listeners, because if you're still listening, you know I'm talking exactly to you, and some of my newsletter readers, some of my personal friends have, have done the same thing where they have just deadened that part of themselves. They've numbed it. They've numbed it with whatever else it is that they're doing. And I've done it on a lot of levels too. I'm I'm in my awareness journey about about, uh, no longer numbing it, not making my entire life about work. You know, some of us are out there drinking too much wine. Some of us are out there trying to overachieve. Some of us are out there, you know, crafting ourselves silly because we want to deaden that part of ourselves, that part that has such a strong desire so that we don't have to keep experiencing the loneliness of not having that desire fulfilled and we don't have to keep longing for something that we no longer believe is possible. Not knowing that the not believing it's possible and the numbing and the deadening is exactly what's standing in the way. So what are some things to do? How do we face the fear, the fear of falling madly in love, the fear of full immersion? What are some things that we can do? Well, we got to start by healing all that past pain, all that past trauma. If you're still angry at somebody for something they did to you, it's time to look for avenues of healing. It's time to work with a healer. It's time to find a like-minded group of people. It's time to be in conversations around healing that stuff because there are people out there who are doing it every day, people who are becoming more and more aware of what they've been through, experiencing their emotions around it and letting themselves process it because it frees you. It frees you from all the fears 
It frees you from all the self-consciousness. It frees you from all the, the not enoughness and the not understanding your value and your worth. It frees you from all of that, just, just going ahead and healing that trauma. If you're still walking around mad at your parents, mad at what your childhood was like, upset about what someone did to you, and I'm not invalidating it because I know that there's some people out there who've had some horrible, horrible things done to them, some atrocities. But unfortunately, those who, who commit those atrocities are not the ones who can heal those atrocities for us, even if they're fully capable of apologizing. Only we can heal that. We got to look at whatever stories we told ourselves to survive those things, because that's where the healing begins. If I'm, you know, beaten up as a child at five years old, I'm going to tell myself some things. I'm going to say that I'm worthless. I'm going to say that I deserved it somehow. I'm going to say that this is how the world is. I'm going to say that people who look like the person who beat me up are bad people. I'm five years old. I'm going to make up all these things about the world based on this horrible thing that I know is not right because I'm a child. I don't know how to rationalize. But what we often do is we grow up in those beliefs that we form as that child and we get to age 35 and that five-year-old is still in charge, still running the show, still making the decisions, still making the choices, still living in fear, still hiding behind the curtain. So it's that process of healing that absolutely must be done. And as we're getting through that process of healing, we don't have to cut ourselves off completely. We just got, we get an opportunity to practice being in the moment, the moment that we're in. Because a lot of that trauma and that, that stuff that needs to be healed has to do with uh, fear responses and fight or flight and all of that. And so now it makes connecting with people feel very fearful, very nerve wracking, very anxiety inducing for a lot of us. So learning to stay in the moment is another way to begin to face the fear of being fully madly in love. Learning how to stay in the moment that you're in, be with what is the moment that you're in. Finding what feels good. Finding what feels good and enjoying it. So, you know, I'm, I've started this new chapter. I've moved to Virginia. I've dated a few people. And... I found myself just enjoying every moment of it, even, even with people that I don't necessarily see them in the long term. I don't, you know, have any reason to develop any sort of attachment. And that's another thing, too. You know, we often think, oh, I like this person. Let me start getting attached to how I can make this work. And that's another thing that stands in our way, right? So if you like a person, you enjoy being with that person, allow yourself to enjoy your moments with that person and just be in those moments with that person. None of us is promised tomorrow. A whole lifetime can go by of planning, to, planning for what we're attached to. So it's just about enjoying those moments. You can date 50 people, and if you enjoyed every moment of it, you're having a fantastic love life. You can date one person, and if you let yourself enjoy every moment of it, you're having a fantastic love life. But we're so busy feeling like we can't be happy until we find the one person who fits all the requirements that most of us are out there having a crappy love life. When we could just be enjoying ourselves and having a good time and finding what feels good and not being attached to that person being what we need them to be. Just knowing that we're going to have a good time no matter what. Every date that I've been on, I enjoyed my food. I might not have loved every minute of conversation. Who cares? 
I'm there to have fun. You know, I found the jokes, I found the lightness, I found the happiness, created it within the moment. And if at the end I felt like, oh, that, that was a person that, you know, I didn't really feel like there was a lot of affinity or that we really connected, then I just move on. But I still had a good time. I can't say with any of them that I didn't have a good ass time. And I want to continue on that way. And I'm not saying that you have to. What I'm saying is that we, we experience what we believe about the world, right? And from a place of having healed, from a place of um, you know, feeling uh, trust in ourselves to have dealt with the hurt, and from a clean slate, living in the moment, every time can be a good time. And also, you know, I always say, don't miss what's right in front of you while waiting to create it. And that's something that we often do. Right? So if I'm enjoying myself with someone, I'm in the moment, we're having fun. If I say to myself, well, I'm having fun with this person, but they're not my person. So, you know, let me cut off the fun. Let me not, let me not just enjoy it. I don't want to lead them on into thinking that because I'm having fun that I like them. You know, you do that enough times and you're just not ever having a good time. You're not ever enjoying yourself. And so if you say, oh, I want to have a love life that's fun and free and, you know, we get to laugh a lot and we get along, we have great conversations, that's what I want to have. And you're not allowing yourself to have those things with the people that you meet. Standing in your own way, honey. Keeping yourself from enjoying it. And so I'll say all of these things, you know, take them with a grain of salt, because I don't take lightly what, what any of us has been through as far as, you know, our conditioning growing up and whatever traumas we may have experienced. I don't invalidate those things. I mean, those are the things that, that we, are, we came for. Whatever you believe about, you know, who you are as a soul, as a being on this earth, you know, we didn't come here for it to be all hearts and roses and easy and light because that's not what life is. Life is a journey of evolution. It is an evolution. Some of us believe that we choose our parents. We choose who we come through. And whatever comes along with that is what comes along with that. And that's what we're here. That's our catalyst to grow. If we frame it that way. So we can choose to have our beginnings be the catalyst for our growth, the inspiration for our highest selves, for the choices that we make, or we can choose for it to be the thing that takes us down, has us addicted, has us sad and depressed about what it is that it became unfulfilled. And I know it's hard when I say that that is a choice, but ultimately it is a choice. And that fear of being fully in love, that fear of full immersion, is just our beliefs informing our decisions. And our beliefs came from, this is what I experienced in the past. So it, within the limits of my imagination, this is all I can imagine that I would experience in the future. And so if you wanna heal, if you wanna begin the road of healing, if this is the road that you wanna go down, I want you to get at me because I am a coach and a hypnotherapist, and this is exactly what I do. I help people heal from the symptoms of not enoughness, 
which some of the symptoms of not enoughness are depression and anxiety, uh, weight struggles, bad relationships, relationship problems, a lot of conflicts in life, stress, physical problems, autoimmune disorders, pain in the body, migraines, someone who gets sick a lot. That's how not enoughness shows up within us. And that not enoughness is the past that needs to be healed. And as, as I always say, we heal the past. We love ourselves unconditionally. We start all over from a clean slate. If you want to do that, I am currently working with a couple clients, one of which she, you know, she's worried about her drinking. She doesn't want to become an alcoholic and her drinking is getting out of hand. And so we've been working together to um, uncover what the drinking is about. And we found out that the drinking is about soothing the anxiety. And the anxiety is about an old story from when she was ch a child, when her parents got div divorced, feeling like she's the one who has to be the good girl and make everything right and fix everything. And, you know, be everything that her, her father and her mother want her to be. And when her father passed away, she felt lost because most of her life was spent living up to what she thought would be uh, would meet his approval. And so we've uncovered all of that in our work so that her anxiety no longer has fuel and she has an understanding that she only has to meet her own approval. And we can talk about it till we're blue in the face, but until you do something that's somatic, you know, within your body that actually alters those thoughts, reconnects those synapses in our brains, we go on autopilot. And so we find ourselves for years trying to cope with the symptoms of not enoughness. So if you, any of this resonates with you and you hear yourself in it, we need to get together. We need to get together and get you on a free consultation call. And so I want you to email me at askforcandypodcast at gmail.com or candice at candiceharperlovecoach.com. And let me know if you would like me to send you a link for a complimentary consultation. And you can tell me what's going on with you. So we can get together and do my 63-day program. Heal the past, love yourself unconditionally, and start all over from a clean slate. Jump out of this swipe left culture and actually experience what it's like to immerse yourself in being fully, madly, deeply in love, starting with you, starting with yourself. And that is it, y'all. That's it for this week. As always, it's been a pleasure. You know, Miss Jada is going to be coming back soon. Miss Jada comes on and we talk about matchmaking and our, and our journey of matchmaking, the ups and the downs and the all arounds. My book, I'm Not Mad But She's Still Crazy, is coming out soon. And you can follow me on Instagram at Ask for Candy Podcast at Candy Love Coach. And I think that is it, my sweet loves. Thank you so much, so very much for joining me again for another episode of Ask for Candy. Please make sure you subscribe and make sure you leave a review, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, actually. Leave me a review. I would love a five-star review. Let me know if any of these things that I've been saying on this podcast are resonating with you, if they're touching your heart, if they are getting to your soul, if they are helping you transform your life, your situation. 
please let me know. Email me if you'd like a a free consultation and talk about how I can possibly help you with my 63-day coaching and hypnotherapy program. And I believe that is it, my sweet, sweet loves. I will talk to you next week. Until next time, never forget that you are a love machine, honey. If you ever start to feel like you're not getting the love you need, just make more and ask for candy. I love you, my sweethearts.